630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, appreciate you tuning in tonight. Thanks for those of you uh, texting in that you enjoyed the interview with Serge Savard. That was pretty cool. Think about this, folks, on Inside Sports this week. Two Hall of Famers. We had Serge Savard on tonight. We had Baseball Hall of Famer Paul Molitor on on Wednesday. So that is uh, pretty cool. We're going to keep giving you great guests as we move along, even though our sports calendar has been disrupted. And we have a really cool story for you right now. Please welcome to Inside Sports. From the Lethbridge Hurricanes, he, uh, well, I'll let you, I'll, I'll ask him in a minute here what he does, but it is Ryan Rosnowski checking in. Hi, Ryan. My name's Reed. How are you? I'm good. Nice to talk to you. And we also have uh, Ryan's dad, Wayne, on the line. Hey, Wayne, welcome to Inside Sports. How's it going? It's going great, Reed. Thanks a lot for coming on the show, guys. Ryan, I'm hoping you can tell me, what do you do for the Lethbridge Hurricanes? I uh, I do I work for the hockey team. I also I do their laundry for them and water bottles for game days and set up the benches for the team for the team and help out the coaching staff and and help out the trainers. Okay, and you've been doing this about about four years or so. Uh, yes. And are there any other junior teams that you've worked for in your career? I worked for the Grand Prairie Storm. And awesome. I think that was about it. Okay. Did you do the same kind of stuff with the Storm? Uh, yes, I have. Now, how did you first get involved with these teams, uh, Ryan? Like, was it was it hard to get the job, or what did you have to do? I just had to just... I, uh, I got hired by Dave Campbell from Storm, and then I worked with him for a while, and then I got a transfer from them to the Hurricanes. Okay, awesome stuff. Uh, Ryan, your dad, Wayne, is uh, um, uh, also on the line. And, of course, uh, Ryan, you do have Down syndrome. Wayne, tell me what it has meant for you as a, as a hockey dad to see Ryan get involved with these organizations. You know, uh, Reed, it's been, it's been tremendous. It's, uh, to see uh, everybody wants their kids to, to fit in and be accepted, right? And, and for Ryan to have the opportunity to... Uh, be a part of, of a couple of hockey teams and, and an integral part and and to the relationships he developed with the with the players and the teams it's uh, really uh, really touches your heart and and makes us proud of uh, not just Ryan but uh, the people that are involved with these hockey teams and, and the hockey world it's been uh, it's been just a great great opportunity for him and uh, you know his uh, self-esteem his confidence uh, just been tremendous yeah absolutely uh ryan can you tell us a little bit about um uh about your 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 favorite hockey team who who is your favorite nhl team the edmonton oilers okay and and did you uh did you know about joey moss and his story yeah i did i got to see him on tv once in a while i saw him get a Stanley cup ring with kresge and 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 that if expiring me to do these jobs with the hurricanes and the storm well that's awesome to hear that and and i think that that's a, a really positive story and going to be part of uh, of joey's uh legacy wayne and i you know you and i talked briefly this this afternoon and um you know wayne i, I i'm glad we're talking over you and ryan tonight but i i do think you know we got to use that word inclusion and and you got to always 
go up and talk to somebody, right? Find out who they are and and uh, and, and let them let them help and let them learn, right? I think that's one of the big lessons here. Oh, absolutely, and just just learning to meet people and just to understand who they are and what makes them them tick. And uh, you know, you, you think about the um, how many people Joy Moss touched. Um, you know, and I know how many people our son has touched just in a couple hockey teams. And of course, he was. I think we talked about it before. He's a swimmer and was in mainstream swimming. And and they get to know people that are a little bit different than the mainstream as people. And and this really is inclusion, and and it's it's really important. And um, and it also affects, you know, it's certainly been positive for our son, but I really think it's been positive for a lot of people. And and again, and then if you don't, to bring it back to Joey Moss and how many people know him and, you know, he's an icon in, in Edmonton and Alberta and, and other places, and he's a part of part of the community. And, and that's really what you want when you talk about inclusion. Ryan, I want to ask you this: What's uh, what's the favorite your favorite part of the job with the Hurricanes? The favorite part of the job is, is uh, you help out the players or what they want and what they need, and give them what they what they are looking for uh, for the season and upcoming playoffs and winning a championship ring like Joey Mustard. Right on. Now, I, Ryan, I got to ask about your swimming, and, and maybe you you don't like to brag, but you're allowed to when you're on the radio. How how good a swimmer are you? I'm a really good swimmer. I have a whole bunch of records, um, American records uh, for some federal swimming, and uh, uh, I'm I'm a breaststroker and a freestyler, and that's my. That's my two favorite swims. Okay, so you're really do you do you still swim a, a lot, or did you maybe swim more when you were a little younger? I, I swim more when I was younger. Now I don't because of COVID nineteen. Ryan, who who was it that got you interested in swimming? Was it was it your dad Wayne, or is it something you liked? Who who got you into the pool? Um, my dad took me to the pool. My mom as well, and. Myself, I drive myself to go to the pool and work hard and get ready for the competition. So, Wayne, does he get the athletic genes from you? <laughs> no, from his, his mom. <laughs> no, it, it's actually a really neat story. Um, I coached uh, women's softball. I started when I followed my well, the lady that's my wife now. But anyway, when we were dating, she was a ball player. Next thing you know, you end up, you know, standing at first base, and two years later, you're the coach, right? And one of my players was a swim instructor, and Ryan was just deathly scared of water at the time. And, and this girl, she, uh, Sharon Klinger now, Sharon Wine at, at the time, and she, I think she's, uh, in your, they live in Pinocchio, so she's probably in your radio range. And uh, right. <laughs> anyways, Sharon said, I'll get him swimming. Well, sure enough, at Marion Aquatics Pool in Prince Albert, Sharon got Ryan to be a a pretty decent swimmer, and he went to the Special Olympics trials in Saskatchewan and uh, <laughs> made the team to go to Halifax the next year of the national games. And, of course, being kind of competitive sports people, Red Cross wasn't enough for swimming, so we put Ryan in a swim club. Only there wasn't a Special O swim club, so we put him in the mainstream swim club in Prince Albert. 
He was 15 at the time, and he's been a member of a mainstream swim club for 26 years now. So <laughs> he's met a lot of people. Obviously, you talk about inclusion and, and uh, you know, and, and showing people in the community a different face uh, of people with Down syndrome or, or people that are a little bit different than other people. And uh, he's been in a lot of pools with a lot of kids over the years. So <laughs> and he's, well, yeah, he's a pretty decent swimmer. Well, and he's pretty well known, Ryan. Because don't you get to? Uh, do you lead the team out onto the ice, or to tell me what you do with the Hurricanes at the start of the game? So at the start of the game, we go in a, in a group, and then we go to. I follow the goalie down to the end, and then I run in to the door, open the door, and they come. They they follow me in to the onto the ice. Cool. That's uh, well. That sounds like a lot of fun, Ryan. You must be missing hockey though quite a bit. Or are you waiting for the Hurricanes and the WHL to come back soon? Yeah, they're coming back on the eighth of January. Yeah. He, well, he, you obviously have it circled on your calendar. Uh, so. So there you go. That, that is awesome. Uh, Ryan and Wayne uh, Rosnowski, thanks a lot for, for checking in. Uh, I, I think th- this is an awesome story. Good for you guys for uh, for sharing it. Ryan, you do great work with the Hurricanes uh, and Ian Lethbridge, and all the best with your swimming. Before I let you go, is there anything else that you'd like the audience to hear tonight for either of you? Uh, just go out there and fill your dreams. What can I say, Reed? <laughs> That is well said. Go out there and fulfill your dreams. <laughs> That's Brian, you nailed it. Wayne, thank you so much. Ryan, thank you so much. This was an honor to have you on the show. Uh, and again, all the best with, with the swimming and, and enjoy the hurricane season when it gets going again. Thank you very much. Thank you, Reed. Right on. Ryan Rosnowski, Wayne Rosnowski. You can give Wayne a follow on Twitter if you want. Uh, his handle is in my most recent tweet uh, promoting that those two guys were coming up on the show. So that's Ryan's story. Uh, he has Down syndrome. Like Joey Moss, he got involved with hockey, uh, inspired by uh, by Joey, and he worked for the Grand Prairie Storm. Now he's been with the Lethbridge Hurricanes the last few seasons, and uh, he's as he said, he has a few swimming records and medals. Just a, Just a few probably more than anybody else listening tonight, certainly more than anybody hosting. What a pleasure to talk to those two gentlemen. 780-496-0063 is how you can give me feedback by calling or texting. Matthew Robertson from the Oil Kings coming up. All right, well, that was so cool to have Ryan Rosnowski and his dad, Wayne, on the show. Uh, Ryan uh, works for the Lethbridge Hurricanes. He told you all the stuff he does to help the team get prepared and uh, keep him in high spirits. So that was really cool to have uh, Ryan on the show and uh, a gentleman who has uh, been inspired by uh, by Joey Moss. So that is some awesome stuff. Really glad they could come on the show tonight. We'll keep going with a WHL theme from the Edmonton Oil Kings defenseman a draft pick of the new york rangers please welcome back to the show matthew robertson matthew thanks for making time for us buddy how are you doing hey i'm i'm good how are you i'm uh, i'm doing well it's been it's been a while since we talked and uh, obviously uh, strange circumstances how have you been keeping busy and keeping in shape here um just recently i've been uh just skiing quite a bit and working out uh it's kind of been a long off season so just trying to just kind of keep myself on pace and not get bored out of kind of just working out and getting used to uh, just uh, working out in the skating routine pretty much. 
Okay, good stuff. Like, did you? How long did it take you? And look, we know that there, it's a pretty serious issue. But how long did it take you to get uh, through the disappointment and the unusual nature of the season not being finished? Uh, I still don't think it's really sunk in yet. I mean, it's pretty disappointing just how the season ended. But I mean, there's bigger things at stake, and that's the health and safety of people, and that's what's something you gotta overlook and kind of just accept and that's part of just being a hockey player i mean you gotta accept that and i mean but it's we had a good team and i'm just looking forward into next season when we start in january okay well and uh, a good honor for you you've been invited to the canadian world junior selection camp uh, tell me what this means for you uh, it's a huge honor and i'm just really excited um yeah i'm just really excited Okay. When, when did you find out and what was your reaction? Uh, I found out two days ago. I got a call from my agent and uh, just pure excitement um, just hearing that. And every time you get to put on a, get a chance to represent Canada, I mean, it's a huge honor. And, I mean, it's something I've dreamed of as a kid is getting the opportunity to play for Team Canada at the World Juniors. And I'm just really looking forward to it. Well, that's awesome. So you'll go to Red Deer. We were talking last night on the show how the, the selection camp roster is going to play a couple games each against the U of A, the UFC, and Mount Royal. I know Hockey Canada hasn't officially announced that, but uh, we got it here on 630, Chad. So that's cool. Now, have you been hanging out in Sherwood Park most of the time? Yeah, yeah. So I've been staying with my family in Sherwood Park right now and just training and skating mostly in Edmonton. Okay. What, what, uh, what kind of contact, if any, have you had with the Rangers over the last few months? Uh, just their player development staff just kind of calls me on the usually every once every two weeks. So just kind of catching up and giving me input and stuff and sending me video and just kind of keep me sharp on uh, things to improve on. So do they send you video of, of yourself or do they send you video of other guys and they say, can you try to learn this? Is that is more like that? Uh, it's a little more of like other guys. So like other NHL defensemen that uh, they think I play a little similar to and just kind of things to look at and things to try to implement into my game. Well, it's an interesting time for NHL defensemen. I, I talked to a lot of people about this. I mean, uh, you're, you're a pretty big guy, 6'3", and you had 52 points in 60 games last season for the Oil Kings, and we see Hughes and McCarr and Haskinen and all these young guys. Uh, so it's kind of a fun time to be a defenseman because you're expected to put up some points and, and get in on the offense too. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, contributing offensively is definitely a big part of an offense or of a defense in these days. And uh, I think for me, I kind of try to focus more on the defensive side. But I mean, out of good defense comes offense. And I mean, that's a contribute to uh, the good teams I've been playing on recently and good coaching staff we've had just having our D-man jump in the rush and contribute offensively. Okay. Do you have, uh, as, as, a, as a fan, do you have a favorite World Junior memory? Um, I'd probably have to say, I think in 2018, when Tyler Steenbergen scored the, the golden goal, as they say, to help Canada win gold that year. See, a, a lot of mine are from the 80s and 90s, Matthew. I got to remember, I'm now interviewing a lot of people who were born in the 2000s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who, uh, who would you compare yourself to currently playing in the NHL? Um, I'd have to say a little bit of, uh, I compare myself just a little bit, uh, uh, Victor Hadman and just a little bit, just kind of my size, my skating ability, but also just like a little bit of Jake Muzzin as well, just that defensive and physical side of me. All right, and I'll ask you a couple more here. With the sports calendar being so disrupted, 
what did you find yourself watching? Did you watch the hockey playoffs, NBA, some of the golf? Uh, you know, we've had a couple of golf majors. Baseball just finished. NFL is doing a normal schedule. What, what have you found yourself watching, if anything? Uh, when hockey was on, I found myself watching a ton of hockey. Uh, when, when, I was, when I wasn't working out and skating, I was watching a lot of hockey. And um, just recently, quite a bit of golf as well. And found that pretty interesting. And I went golfing quite a bit this off season just to kind of keep myself busy with some buddies. And so I found myself just watching a ton of golf and just kind of just watching them and trying to be a little like them, but even though I'm not. Now, are, are you a good golfer? Because my horrific golf game is off of a topic of conversation on this show. Yeah, I'd say average. I mean, I play with some people quite a bit better. So pretty average. All right. <laughs> well, Matthew, it's good to catch up with you. Strange circumstances, but I'm really glad you made time to come on the show. And, of course, all the best at the World Junior Selection Camp. And, uh, yeah, go get it, man. Go grab a spot. All the best. Yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. Right on. That is Matthew Robertson from your uh, Edmonton Oil Kings on the show. He turned 19 in March, actually, just before we rolled into all this pandemic stuff, taken 49th overall by the Rangers in the 2019 draft. And as, as, as I mentioned, almost a point a game as a defenseman in the WHL last season. Really exciting prospect. All the best to him going for the World Junior Team. Okay, we got to do the news. We got to do the weather. And then we got a really special guest, a really, uh, a really great story. Uh, he's uh, he's a doctor at the Stollery, and he's going into the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame. Rob Seal, when we get back. All right. Enjoying the show tonight. Emil Tiedemann checked in for My Heart Edmonton. He has the petition going to get the downtown arena named after Joey Moss. Ryan Bartoshik, the commissioner of the AJHL, was on the show. The AJ is starting its regular season November 13th. Hockey Hall of Famer Serge Savard. Ryan Rosnowski from the Lethbridge Hurricanes checked in along with his dad, Wayne. We just heard from Matthew Robertson, defenseman for the Edmonton Oil Kings, who's going to the Canadian World Junior Team Selection Camp. And uh, we're going to keep keep it rolling with interesting and unique guests as we welcome Dr. Rob Seal to Inside Sports. Rob, you're on with Reed. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me. Nice. Well, it's great. Sorry about that. Yeah, it's great to have you on the show. And, uh, man, there, there is a lot I want, I want to talk to you about because you have quite a story. I'm, I'm going to start with uh, your day job, I guess, if I call it that. Look, Rob, I could read off what your titles are and your credentials, but that wouldn't necessarily explain to, a, to the lay people like me what you do. So tell us what you do at the Stollery. Well, my main day job at, at the Stollery is uh, to give anesthetics to uh, children who are having open-heart surgery. Uh, I also give anesthetics uh, to children to, who are having other surgeries and, and need anesthetic for diagnostic procedures as well. Okay, so you got a very important job, uh, so, that, so that's great. And in tur- now you're going into the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame, so that's awesome. When, when did you find out? I found out midweek last week. Okay. Now, uh, because of COVID, are they going to have an actual induction, or is that TBA? I think it's TBA. I, I, normally, uh, the induction would be held in conjunction with the Canadian uh, Motor Show in Toronto in February, uh, but that event's not going to be happening. And so they're looking at uh, probably doing a, a virtual event at much as has happened to so many other types of gatherings. 
Okay. How did you first get involved in, in motorsports, and what type of specific racing are you involved in? Well, it, it started as, as it's all sort of one of those one thing led to another kind of stories, and it, with a lot of branches along the way. Um, I, in my role as an anesthesiologist, I've been quite involved in our national specialty society, the Canadian Anesthesiologist Society, and um, I was president of that organization for a couple of years, about 20 years ago. And in the time leading up to that, one of the other uh, past presidents was a friend from Montreal who'd been a member of the medical team at the Canadian Grand Prix since uh, it first came to Montreal. And after our board meeting, we were just socializing and he was telling me about about what it was like and I said wow that sounds really interesting and he said well would you like to come and join us and I said sure <laughs> so that was kind of how it started and uh, um, when, when at that time uh, the spirit of volunteerism was really strong and, and so uh, they didn't have much trouble filling positions for the uh, all of the physicians nurses respiratory therapists firefighters and so on that they need to put on a Formula One race in Montreal. So uh, I felt quite privileged to get a chance to, to join in on that. And as they bring you in, they, they make sure that you kind of learn the craft. They know that you know your medical work from your day job, but you don't know how to stay alive and safe on a, in a racing environment. So they gradually work you into it. And so I, I worked pretty much every position there was on the medical team, worked in, in their track medical center, worked in the pit lane, and then eventually in the rescue vehicles um, at every corner, and then eventually drifted into being the, the physician in the pursuit vehicle. So that's a fast vehicle driven by a, a, a race-qualified driver uh, who's also a paramedic, and we chase the cars around on their first racing lap and uh, then triage any incidents that occur because the first lap is definitely one of the times when there's most action. Okay. Now, I, I got I to gotta ask you this, Rob, and, and I'd like, look, I, your knowledge is so much more extensive than mine, so I realize this might sound like a silly question, but you were part of a group that founded the Canadian Motorsports Response Team. That was in 2011. How was there not such a group before that? Because motorsports obviously can be dangerous and might need some sort of response. Do you see what I'm getting at? Yeah. Well, I, I can clarify it somewhat in that we were sort of the phoenix that came out of a previous group. and But we were the first uh, group to actually go and to do things in a more formal fashion. So we were the first to actually incorporate ourselves and to insure ourselves and and try and do you know uh, due diligence on it they, there had been people providing uh, that kind of service since the first time uh, that the formula one raced in canada <clears throat> and in fact uh, the requirement for that is required by the international go governing body the fia has you know list of rules of what you need to conduct a, a race of that type and so there were people doing it but it was uh, a lot more ad hoc and so we got approached by the organizers of the Canadian Grand Prix both the promoter and then there's a host club called the Club, um, club Automobile de Lille Notre Dame and they asked us could we organize a, a new and more structured uh, team and so we, we 
I actually did most of that in 2010, but completed our incorporation for 2011. At that same time, I was the medical director of the Edmonton Indy, so I, I brought mm. that same group to Edmonton, and we, we covered that race until for the, for the next three years. Um, and then we just gradually started to cover more and more events, and uh, we ended up with uh, um, covering the uh, Toronto Indy uh, and then the Grand Prix of Trois-Rivières in Quebec, which is uh, one of the most spectacular racing events in Canada. And it's, it's now a two-weekend event with a, a rally cross weekend and a road course weekend. And... Um, the need, need just kept, there was sort of, I think that if there was more of us, and we all do it as, on a volunteer basis, if there were more of us, there would be, the sky would be a limit in terms of what we might be doing. But we, we cover uh, club racing at, at Castrol, and we cover the NHRA events at Castrol, and we cover uh, a uh, late model series in Ontario, and a new track called Chukesa. So we sort of keep branching into other areas of need. Okay. Uh, Dr. Rob Seal joining us tonight on uh, on Inside Sports. He's telling you about being uh, the part of the group that founded the Canadian Motorsports Response Team. He also works at the Stollery. What can you tell me about the, uh, the MED? This is obviously an important piece of technology here. Right. So when you're uh, responding to an incident where a driver has been in, uh, involved in a high-speed collision and, and may have injuries, uh, when you got to lift them out of the racing vehicle, you want to do it without it in, uh, either adding more injury or make or, and to make sure they're as comfortable as possible. And racing seats are very confined space, and it's very difficult to get in and get good access to the driver to begin with, let alone secure them to something. And the traditional ways of securing this were, were um, boards much like the fire and rescue services would use things called the Kendricks device. And they don't fit into a racing seat. And we knew of an old device in Indianapolis that was a bit more spoon-shaped, if you like, and, but it still needed some modernization. So we worked on a shape, uh, and we needed a shape that would fit the racing seat, would slide smoothly between the back of the driver and the seat, and also was thin enough to fit in that space easily, but then was strong enough that it, if, when we, we've added belts onto this board so that we can then strap the driver's chest and abdomen and pelvis onto the board. And so it gives a way of stabilizing their, their uh, and we strap their, their, their head and neck to it as well. So it's a way to hold them in a stable, comfortable position as, as we lift them out of the, the racing seat. And uh, um, it, it's, um, we've, we've had to tune it a bit. We took it to uh, uh, Le Mans where there was a, a number of us were uh, participants in a, uh, course on training people in, in responding to racing accidents and they have a great selection of racing vehicles. We tried it in every seat they had there. Uh, we took it to the uh, uh, motorsports uh, industry show and the performance racing industry show and tried it in every racing seat that the uh, distributors had and made sure it would fit. Um, and then we've had to educate people how to uh, 
to use it and uh, it's it's definitely had quite a bit of utility and uh, has filled a, a void because we, we needed a product like that and it didn't exist well, Rob, I mean, you've you've done such important work, so you've you've totally given us a, a great idea why you're going into the Canadian Motorsports, uh, or pardon me, into the, into the Motorsports Hall of Fame. And, uh, and I mean, it, it can be a dangerous sport. Or would you be a liberty to describe, um, you know, a crash or a really tense moment that you had to tend to? You know, it's a, it's an, an interesting question, one that I, I I thought I might get, and you know, I. Maybe it's a bit of the influence of my my day job, but my day job of get most of my patients that are having open heart surgery are newborns and babies, right? And so it sounds like a really kind of potentially tense thing, but you minimize the the, the stress and the risk on that by your preparedness, right? And motorsports is the same sort of thing, and that you your part of how you manage it is by having all the resources you need, the right people there, and and have, having gone through scenarios in in mind. Um, most of the incidents that we come to, you know, fortunately, are are fairly minor. I mean, we've had one bad weekend in, in Trois Rivières where we had uh, motorcycle racing as well as as cars, and that weekend we had. 11 punctured lungs in one weekend um, oh. from from rib fractures from the, the, the motorcycle riders. Um, with the, the, the motorsport crashes, I, the the most common thing used to be lower limb injuries, especially the, the feet, because the, um, the the older race cars, their, their feet were right up in the, practically almost in the nose cone, and their, the axle was about at the level of their knees. And uh, we, we've definitely saw some nasty injuries from that it's probably also one of the reasons why maybe if i ever am tense when i'm working trackside it's when they're racing historic race cars they they they're they can no way compare to the the safety features and the 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 strength of the design of the the cell around the driver compared to the, the new cars so but they're still racing and, and sometimes they have former racers in them who really race hard but the those old the ones that are racing hard are often also historic so you got a historic right. driver <laughs> and a historic car and um i'd say most of the um the, the, the nasty injuries i've seen have been uh, lower limb and upper limb injuries with that um we we see uh you know, a lot of concussions. We're, you know, we're not the only sport on the planet who's dealing with concussion, but concussion is has been for probably about 15 years a very hot topic in motorsports. Um, and uh, I think we res- we handle it a lot better. The we've educated people about it more, and uh, we know more about how long to keep people out of the sport and how to help them rehabilitate afterwards than we used to. Right on. Well, hey, Rob, thanks for sharing your story and and giving us some details of the important work that you've been doing. Well-deserved that you're going into the Canadian Motorsports Hall of Fame. Good for you. Um, you know, different circumstances, but, uh, but again, well-deserved. Thank you so much for checking in tonight on Inside Sports. All the best, sir. Oh, thank you very much. Have a good evening. That is Dr. Rob Seal. Wow. That, that's... 
he opened my eyes there. That was uh, that was really cool. I had no idea that uh, he had done all that, and that certainly that an Edmontonian had done it, working for Formula One and a whole bunch of other race circuits and races around the world. Really cool stuff. Inside Sports on Chet. Jack White, he's good. Turn your clocks back tomorrow. Well, before you go to bed, don't do it at 2 in the afternoon. What if I just did it tonight just to get a head start so I, in case I forgot tomorrow? I mean, I could probably get away with it considering, you know, I am not don't have any hockey games to be at or broadcast right now maybe so maybe i will just do it today get a head start i guess most of our clocks go back automatically now go back automatically on your phone on your computers i still have an analog clock i actually have a clock with now angie quinnell is back in the studio who is of a much younger generation than me angie can you tell time on a clock with hands um i can that's how i learned but i'm clock English, math, we're never my strong suit. Okay. <laughs> I'm just wondering because so, so many clocks are, are, are digital, digital these yeah. days yep. that, that sometimes I think, like, there are, okay, would you know how to dial a rotary phone? Yes. Okay, good. Because <laughs> I have talked to people, and you don't have to reveal your age, but I know you're younger than me. I have talked to people younger than me who couldn't dial a rotary phone. They're, they would be like, what is going on? I don't know what this is. Yes. But... Anyway, so you move your clocks back tomorrow. I have uh, an I have an analog clock here, actually in the office. That's the spare bedroom I'm in. I call my office, so I'll, I'll have to spin the, the. Oh, and I have a I have a clock downstairs in the kitchen. It's it's it, my dad gave it to me, and it was always in the house when I grew up. And it just says beer five cents on it, and you you actually have to take it off the wall because it's enclosed in glass. You have to take it off the wall and spin the. Uh, the hands back or forward, depending on whether it's fall or spring. So I have that. I, you know what? I bet my I have two wristwatches, and I haven't worn them since the pandemic because you don't go out as much, and plus you're not again on the same sort of timetable. So I should probably check that they're operational. They probably need batteries. So I would have, uh, and my I, I do still have a clock radio in my bedroom. Angie, do you know what a clock radio is? I do. I do. Okay, see, you're up to date. I am. Or doing. actually, no, you're old-fashioned. Yeah, I know. I'm okay with that, though. I'm okay. I love learning. I love seeing new people or younger generations learn these things that we already knew, and it's kind of cute to see them then get all confused because being then, it would you were that at one point, so it's kind of nice. Well, and for learning, this show is actually the number one learning show on 630 Chet. Here we go. Yeah, you want to learn stuff, you come to Inside Sports. Okay. (laughs) Definitely in the right spot. So Halloween's tomorrow. Uh, I'm not giving out candy, so don't come to my house. (laughs) I should put up a sign. No candy here. Why not, Reed? Why? Why why am I not giving out candy? Yes. I guess because of the pandemic, I get that. But if it was any other year, would you be giving out candy? Possibly okay. not. <laughs> I don't know. See, the, my uh, my uh, house, uh, I, I won't explain everything, but my house kind of doesn't face the street. Okay. So in my neighborhood, you can actually kind of walk past 
my house without seeing my house. That's okay. just kind of how I'll, I'll explain it. Um, so it could be possible. I could be entertaining for Halloween or have candy for Halloween and no one would know. But I'm never, I, I don't even know if I've been at home on Halloween since I, I moved into this house seven or eight years ago. Um, because uh, yeah, either doing inside sports or there's a hockey game. So I'm not home during the, the candy getting hours. Hey, kids, let's go get some candy from the old Wilkins household. Oh, not Reed's house. He doesn't give out candy. It's a little play I just wrote there, Angie. Awesome. So, <laughs> so, so I, uh, I, I don't know. If I, yeah, I've, maybe under different circumstances, I'd have candy just to try to pretend to be a, a nice person. But uh, I remember, <laughs> I remember when, I, when I went to university, my first year of university, I lived with them at my aunt's house, mm-hmm. and, I, and I gave out candy. And this, this this kid rang the door doorbell, and I opened the door like just a crack, so I could just uh, squeak, uh, like barely squeeze my head out. Yeah. And I made like a bit of a funny face, and in a real creepy voice, I was like, "Hello." And the kids started bawling. Oh. So like I felt so bad. So that's why I don't give out candy. I ruin it for the children. All right. So you feel like you traumatize <laughs> them? Okay. Hey, uh, what a week, everybody. Thanks for hanging in there. Uh, man, so much love for Joey Moss. Uh, Sid Smith was on last night. He is now officially retired. Sid, all the best. Congratulations. We had Serge Savard, Paul Molitor on the show, and uh, so many other great guests. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. You just heard from Angie. She's your studio operator tonight. So, yeah, clock's back tomorrow. EE Coaches Show as part of Inside Sports Monday at 7.30. And then on Tuesday, uh, we're just going to do an hour. Well, they talk about mail it in Tuesday for Wilkins, and uh, then U.S. election coverage starts at 7 on uh, Tuesday, if anybody's interested in that. My name's Reed. Have a great weekend. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.